0: And welcome to the Ghostwriter and Pup Podcast, a podcast about the stories. Well, you know what? I'm actually rewriting this entire script. I'm Jody Aberdeen. I am a professional author and ghostwriter, and this is episode 11 of my journaling series. So uh, first, yeah, I was listening to the theme song, and I think it's time to change it. It's just not, um, as with anything that I do, it evolves organically. And I don't know if I'm content to keep this podcast within the same scope. So uh, no theme song today, just me (laughs) reading journal. So for the last two weeks, working days, business days, business weeks, whatever, I've been doing one daily, a daily podcast in which I read a one page journal entry that I've been writing every day. This is partly selfishly to get me back into the habit of writing in my journal. Also, there's some great insights that tend to come up in my journal entries that provide wonderful material, if you are listening to this podcast, to get greater perspectives and ideas and inspiration for your own creative or and or professional writing. So here's the entry for Monday, May 25th, 2020. The weather got really hot and humid here all of a sudden. Not totally unprecedented for this city at this time of year, but definitely rare and welcome. For now, for now, (laughs) Canadians have a reputation, especially with our American neighbors, for being a wintry, cold country. Overall, this is true for much of the country, but here in southern Ontario, tucked in as we are between all of the Great Lakes except Michigan and Superior, we are in the banana belt of our great nation. Our winters, especially in the sprawl of Greater Toronto and the Golden Horseshoe, around the western corner of Lake Ontario, all the way to Niagara Falls, are milder than most other parts of Canada. The majority of Canadians live here, or more accurately, the biggest single population of Canadians lives here. And yet, we also buy into our touristy postcard publicity that the rest of the world has about us, beavers and mounties and ice floes, and of course, long winters. We therefore embrace summer and warm weather as if we were starving and someone brought us to a buffet. All of these are relative terms, of course. What's a mild winter to somebody born in higher latitudes? Is it the same as a bad winter as perceived by an immigrant from the tropics? And how does that shape our behavior? If we think, accurately or inaccurately, that winters are always long and the summers short, won't we try to get the most out of warm sun when it arrives? Won't the fear of missing out kick in and cause us to behave in irrational ways? A trope and an image that I return to frequently in my imagination these days is the long, crazy summer night of more innocent times. I'd assert that everyone raised in a temperate North American climate, like me, has that somewhere in their memories, a mirror neuron of sorts. And these nights may never return, or so it feels in this pandemic year. The big lesson here that occurred to me as I was writing this is the role of story. I'm speaking now to the people who are in marketing, who are in politics or governance, who are entrepreneurs looking to promote themselves and who are just people from all walks of life who are interested in becoming creative writers and storytellers. Do not underestimate the power of story to shape behavior. Never dismiss what we do as a hobby, as something trite. Because ultimately, story determines the range and context of different actions. It makes some actions possible and others impossible within those contexts. So what the hell does Jody mean by that? You might be asking. Okay. So I want you to consider to, I want you to picture in your mind or even draw this out right now. This is really hard to do on a podcast, but uh, just indulge me. Draw two boxes, one beside, you know, each one beside the other. In the left-hand box, you write the words, what's so. On the box beside it, write the word story. You'll notice that in this particular heuristic, they are two separate things. There's what is so, and then there's the story that goes with it. We live in this strange, choose-your-own-reality type of society in 2020. Where many people are content to believe that their chosen reality is actually more real to them than ultimate reality. That is reality that is measurable, that can be universally detected that is replicated by almost anybody who follows the rules of empirical science so what this does is it creates consequences that i really don't want to get into here i could see the tangent kind of opening up so i'm going to close it before (laughs) before i go i i head down it but Consider this right if you have a, there's the facts and then there's the interpretation of the facts is another way to put it so this so story is essentially a way of making sense of data points if you see for example let's say you see someone I'm trying to think of a good example and I think social media posts might be the might be the best one all right i'll I'll share this one okay this there's a film called Dog's Purpose that was released a few years ago there was a portion of the film that involved the dog character jumping into water to, it was a police dog to save somebody like a kid. I think it was. And what had happened was certain, there was a clip of the behind the scenes where the dog was in distress for about maybe just a few seconds. And, I believe it was an animal rights group that landed on that particular clip and spread it all over the internet to say that they were abusing the animals behind uh, behind the scenes an investigation conducted um, by i think the filmmakers and as well the the police revealed that actually they had been treating the animals very well but of course that didn't stop the story a seven second moment of distress an animal became a rallying cry against this movie and against the people who made it. And to some degree, I think the animal rights activists knew that. Now I am all, I I am all for the rights of, uh, you know, to basically the, to protect the rights of animals who are being used in film. But apparently that was already, they were already being safeguarded as the investigators found. They said that the accusations were inflammatory and not based in reality. But that didn't stop the story from spreading. And the internet collectively has made us a little bit all like this, where we are more inclined to, be, to believe the story and to, to, shape, to act on a story rather than looking at some of the facts. Now, we need to fight this to some degree, yes. But the point I'm trying to make is never underestimate the power of story. There's a lot of people who think that anything in the arts is a waste of time, that you can't get rich from it, that you gotta get a job as an engineer, a doctor, or work in a factory the rest of your life and that sort of deal, right? And this is a very, this is more commonly seen in, for with beginning writers, especially if you're raised in sort of a fairly conventional suburban North American family. Where work is the priority, and that's the only paradigm you've known. If you want to make a career out of this, you tell you tell your your nine to five blue collar parents that you suddenly you want to be a writer, and they're gonna suggest that you, well, you make it your side hustle at best. Let's put it that way, because they don't because we're raised to think that stories don't matter, and yet if you're telling a st- if you if you have a narrative or story about, say. A global pandemic and the response to it or about even your own personal situation that oh you can't make you can't make a living from writing that's going to determine a lot of the actions that you take i wrote a story about uh i wrote this blog entry rather a day two days after we had a very lovely weekend here in hamilton ontario canada and most of southern ontario and it was a, it was actually a weekend where in hindsight, not a lot of people were observing the distancing. Why? Because we do have that story as Canadians that winters are long, that summers are short, and so when the summertime comes, everybody gets this case of, of, of FOMO, fear of missing out, but what if we didn't have that story? If you actually check the facts, we've had a very mild winter this past year. Here in Southern Ontario, anyway, it doesn't. The story doesn't correspond with the facts this year. But it becomes the perfect context for us to just go out and flaunt the social distancing measures, and to basically think, "Hey, you know what? We ne- we might never get out again. Let's go and en- let's go and enjoy the day, and to be reckless." Now, individually. One of the quotes from the film Men in Black really comes to mind with this, right? It's like, uh, and this this actually does speak to the power of story as well. Uh, what was it? Tommy Lee Jones' character, when Will Smith's character had said that, you know, people are smart, they can deal with things. He said, he, he, he basically corrected him and said, a person is smart. People are dangerous, irrational animals, and you know it. And lo and behold, we had people crowding parks in Toronto this weekend. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that a lot of people don't believe this is happening. I'm not in that narrative. And there's a great deal of uncertainty. So again, this the, the pandemic has shown the power of narrative. And I, yeah, I, I feel, I'll, I'll admit, I'm feeling a little risky kind of sharing this um, on a podcast because it seems to be a bit out of scope. But then again, I'm revising my scope because I don't see that we can avoid, you see, Focusing, going back to that original chart of what is so versus the story you tell about it. I'm not saying to abandon your story. I'm just saying to recognize it for what it is. I'm not saying don't have an opinion. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying I want, I'm just asking you to inquire for yourself and to check with other people as well. Ideally, people who are outside your immediate social group. Is the story that I'm telling, does it correspond with the facts? What becomes possible? What are the range of actions that become possible based on the story that I'm telling? So if you don't believe this is real, you're more likely to go to the park when, if you, if you don't believe that this is real, or, that the, that, or maybe you think that we're overreacting to the disease, and you also think, hey, I'm Canadian and winters are short and here's the summertime, what are you likely to do? So let's bring this back. Let's get away from all of this stuff, controversy, whatever, and let's get back to writing. I want to bring this back to let's say fiction. If you tell a fiction story about the world as you think it ought to look like. That creates a context for action for people and you may not know it. For example, if you paint a picture of a world that has that's 100% on renewable green energy. And somebody somebody reading that, somebody reads that in this world where it's not quite there. It seems to be trending in that direction, but it's not there yet you're more likely to get somebody buying into green energy. Maybe they'll hook up a solar, a solar panel to their roof. Maybe they'll make more ethical, if they have the privilege and luxury to do so, they'll make more ethical uh, choices when it comes to buying for different power utilities. Maybe they'll advocate for government programs or something. Right? But they'll be inspired by your story. I'll end with this. One of the most influential books I had read as a kid was *Where the Red Fern Grows* by Wilson Rawls. Not necessarily for the rest of the book. That's—I actually don't remember a lot of the rest. I—I I, I should reread it. I do get—I do remember the general details. But I remember the beginning, where there's this poor hillbilly kid in the Ozarks sees an ad for two red bone coonhound puppies. From a breeder, and decides that he wants to have those dogs. But coming from a poor hillbilly family, he's not able to. Either they don't have the money to buy them, his parents don't have the money or the interest in buying them, and so he secretly works for two whole summers to save up that money, doing anything that he can uh, to to basically just create the savings. And eventually, he placed the order with the assistance of his grandfather who was in on the, on the little conspiracy and he got his dogs. I read that when I was in grade seven or so. And then in grade nine, when I decided I wanted to adopt a cat, I had much the same conversation with my parents. They didn't want a cat in the house. They didn't, they weren't going to justify the spending. So what did I do one summer? I picked up flyer routes. I worked as much as I could. I saved up the money the adopt i found out what it cost the adoption fees the materials the vet visit and i had a goal in my head and i spent that summer doing flyers every morning saving up the money and buying the materials in increments with the goal of adopting a, a, a cat from the shelter in august and everything went st- smoothly. I actually was at the shelter and that's where everything fell apart because I was a minor and needed my parents to sign off on it. <laughs> this wasn't the Ozarks circa 1910, right? So, but in the end, my parents came around and they said, if you get, st- I was starting high school and they said, if, uh, if I get straight A's in my first term, they'll adopt a cat. And so we did. The rest is history. I only got the idea, I was doing flyers before. But I didn't see much utilities, given that I'm a little kid and I don't really have much to buy except for the odd video game as soon as it became useful to me, I had a story if I had read that book that showed me how it could be done in narrative format by other means it's like it's it's a it's a metaphor and a simile it's like all it's like a what's what's the word I'm looking for um uh, I can't think of the word, but it's this um allegory it's like an allegory for what I did in real life that kid saving up the money for his two puppies and that's the power of story so even if you're writing something fiction you see with the marketers with the marketers jumping on storytelling over the last few years it's you know we forget that you might think that if you want to write fiction that your work is going to be somehow less useful but Whatever story that you're telling could inspire somebody in their own lives to take similar actions because it provides that context. They may look at the whatso of their lives. I need to, I want to, I want to adopt a cat or a dog. I want to save up for a house. I want to take a trip somewhere. And they'll read your story about a character who had some, a similar goal that they wanted to achieve and worked for it and created a plan and had setbacks, right? And then they're going to they're gonna pull their own learnings from it and then maybe apply it to their own lives because your story will show them what to do with the whatso of their life at that moment. And that's powerful. That is powerful stuff. So never, under, never undercut yourself. Never diminish your desire to storytell It's just a hobby. You are weaving realities for somebody else. Even if it looks like you're writing a novel. And that's it. That's all I got. I'm gonna re-record a new theme song at some point. But for now, if you have a journaling prompt, if you have a topic you want me to explore in these journals, I am going to continue this series until the end of the week at least, and then I might switch over. I might renew it for June. Who knows? But if you want if you have a topic you want me to talk about in this podcast, send me an email, Jody at JodyAberdeen.com. You can follow me, if you haven't done so already, the Ghostwriter and Pub Podcast on Facebook and everywhere that Anchor.fm publishes podcasts. So thanks for listening. Tell your friends. If you also want to be interviewed, I'm looking for guests. Same thing. Get in touch with me if you have any questions or ideas. Jody, jodyaberdeen.com. Thanks very much. Stay safe and have a wonderful week.